you know, the success of, of how we're going to get through the coronavirus pandemic is going to depend on local leaders and local communities finding solutions that can be, uh, uh, that can be understood uh, and then executed relatively quickly. Hello and welcome to Region Ahead, or as we might call it today, Region at Home, a podcast from SEMCOG, the Southeast Michigan Council of Governments. I'm Trevor Layton, and in this episode, we are sharing a conversation I had with Brian Barnett, who is the mayor of Rochester Hills, as well as the president of the United States Conference of Mayors. He is also a delegate on SEMCOG's executive committee and previously served as chairperson for Southeast Michigan's Green Infrastructure Task Force. In our conversation, Mayor Barnett shares his insights on leading a community through a time like the COVID-19 pandemic. He also answers the question of, if we as citizens look to our elected leaders for guidance and support during a time of crisis, where do our leaders go when they need support? And now here's my conversation with Brian Barnett. Mayor Barnett, thank you for being with us today. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you uh, uh, giving me some time on your program. Well, I'm really looking forward to hearing your perspective on dealing with the novel coronavirus pandemic, both as mayor of Rochester Hills and as president of the United States Conference of Mayors. Uh, With everything changing so quickly, I'd like to briefly frame the context of our discussion today with where things stand right now. So as of this recording, Michiganders are about 15 hours into Governor Whitmer's stay-at-home order. The state of Michigan has so far confirmed 1,791 cases, which is an additional 463 over 24 hours, uh, as well as 24 deaths. Most businesses have closed or reduced hours and services under the governor's order. Schools in Michigan have been closed for about a week and a half, though I know many parents might think it's been much longer than that. The Summer Olympics in Japan have been postponed for a year. The Archdiocese of Detroit has announced that Easter services will not be offered in person at local churches. So while all of us are feeling to varying degrees disruption in our day-to-day lives from this pandemic, all signs point to the likelihood that even greater challenges await us. So as a locally elected official who stands at the front line of, of government accountability and has volunteered to withstand and address all the questions, fears, and complaints a community can have, I want to ask you again, how are you? Well, with that with that intro, I, I may want to change my answer. No, I, I'm uh, I'm listen. I, I I realize that we are in unprecedented times, and uh, you know it it, it calls for um, for everyone really to approach things differently, uh, to think creatively about how as a region, how as a community, uh, we're going to overcome this. But uh, it's a time for leadership, and I'm encouraged by um, my mayoral colleagues, uh, both in Metro Detroit and around the country, who I think are stepping up. Uh, this whole effort is uh, locally executed, uh, federally supported, um, and so you know the success of of how we're going to get through the coronavirus pandemic is going to depend on local leaders and local communities finding solutions that can be uh, uh, that can be understood uh, and then executed relatively quickly. Absolutely. So this pandemic brings with it a kind of uncertainty with with no real parallel in our in our living memory. Um, And and we absolutely do look to leaders in in times like this to offer guidance and and assurance that that we're able to get on a path back to normalcy. So you are now in your fourth term as mayor of Rochester Hills. 
Can you talk a little bit um, about what made you want to step forward to lead um, back when you first made that decision and, and how you got to where you are now? It's, it's an interesting story for me personally. I uh, can recall um, a singular moment that really changed the trajectory of my life. And it was not very dramatic. It certainly, I didn't know it at the time what it would do, but it was back at Oakland University. Uh, I was disengaged. I didn't want to be there. It wasn't something that I was, college in particular at Oakland University, wasn't something that I was interested in. Uh, I wanted to be somewhere else. And I really minded my own business, kept to myself until one day, uh, someone very simply tapped me on the shoulder and asked me if I wanted to play euchre. And I said, yes. And uh, I stepped out of my box. I was intentionally invited. I stepped out of my box and uh, decided to engage. And that singular decision um, allowed me to get more involved at Oakland, meet more people. I, I got uh, super uh, involved at the, at the university, ran for student body president upon my graduation. I said, I love this leadership stuff. I, I'm enjoying being a part of the group of people that can impact and affect change. And so when I graduated, I decided to run for city council in Rochester Hills. I was the youngest ever elected. I was 23, I think, at the time, uh, and uh, was and have never looked back. Uh, have been elected a couple times as a council member, and as you mentioned, now four times as a mayor, longest mayor in our city's history, uh, and the last two times uniquely elected by uh, write-in vote, which, again, uh, the only person in our state's history that's been elected to a citywide ballot twice by by write-in. So two things. Number one, I love what I do. I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to serve my community. And thankfully, uh, it, it seems that the community uh, hasn't tired of me yet. And uh, we're doing some pretty cool things in Rochester Hills, despite uh, our attention now being you know, laser-like focused on, on the coronavirus. Uh, we still have a lot of great things going on in our community, and I'm exceptionally proud to be its mayor. You are a SEMCOG delegate uh, representing Rochester Hills, as well as your neighboring uh, cities and villages in Oakland County at SEMCOG. Um, you're obviously a very busy guy with about uh, 70,000 constituents to serve. And, and yet my first recollection of you is, is when you were leading the Green Infrastructure Task Force for Southeast Michigan at SEMCOG. Um, so why go beyond the borders of Rochester Hills and, and spend all this time uh, with elected officials from neighboring communities? Well, listen, I, I've always been uh, competitive by uh, by nature. And, you know, I want to be the best uh, mayor that I can possibly be. And I tell folks all the time, you know, if, if in my city uh, of, of now over 75,000 people, I wanted to get all the attorneys together, uh, we could fill a room with probably two or 300 attorneys. And if I wanted to get all the dentists together, we could have 150 dentists and all the teachers together, we'd have a thousand teachers. But if I asked for all the mayors to get together, uh, I'd be alone at a single table. And the reality of that is if I want to sharpen my skills and become better and expand uh, my universe and, and my leadership ability, I have to get out of Rochester Hills to find out what other people are doing, what, what are, what are, what's working well in other communities, what isn't working well. Um, and especially with my role in the U.S. Conference of Mayors, that's allowed me to not just be involved here in Southeast Michigan, but see how things are working both around the country and really around the world. And it, what's unique is, is that while the sizes of our communities are different and maybe the, the uh, specific struggles that we face uh, can be uh, somewhat unique, generally we all have the same bottom line goal. We all want to make a better quality of life for the people that we serve. Uh, we all are responsible for public safety. We all have a desire to create economic opportunity for our residents. We all want businesses to thrive in our, in our cities and villages and towns. And so um, while the size 
sizes of our problems may differ, the the underlying instinct to want to serve your community is similar. And so organizations like SEMCOG that connect people regionally are incredibly important because it gives us an opportunity uh, to stretch ourselves, uh, to share ideas, and elected officials um, are generally uh, pretty good at, the, at hearing and seeing what's good, stealing those ideas, and then implementing in the communities in which they serve. Could you talk a little bit about what it's like to be the mayor of Rochester Hills right now during this coronavirus pandemic? Well, I think, I mean, I think honestly, the one of the biggest challenges is that there's just tremendous uncertainty, right? No one has ever uh, dealt with anything like this. No one's ever seen anything like this. Um, and so there is a um, uh, and rightfully so, there's a tremendous amount of angst. If you're a small business owner, when, when will you be open again? If you're a, a parent, when, when will it be some normalcy relative to education in our lives again? Um, if, you know, if, if you're a senior citizen uh, and it's simply about getting outside or getting groceries or getting um, prescriptions, when, when will we be able to do that freely? Um, a mayor's job right now, part of what I'm doing, a significant part of my day is, is, has been counseling, trying to um, help people understand that we're, we're all in this together. You know, it's, uh, it wouldn't be truthful for me to say I've got all the answers or any elected leader, uh, but rather to say the situation is constantly changing and here's what we're doing to provide our leadership team with the best information possible uh, at the time so that we can make the best decisions possible. Uh, so, you know, we're spending a lot of time uh, trying to uh, get information out, communicate clearly, communicate effectively, and communicate often with our residents. I'm doing a daily blog uh, and a daily vlog, I should say, uh, to my community. Uh, we're staying in close collaboration with regional partners like SEMCOG. Um, I've set up a group of people that I talk to every Friday. Uh, our hospital CEO, our two school district superintendents, uh, the leader uh, in terms of uh, recreation um, uh, in our community, RARA, OPC, our senior centers. And then, of course, nationally, I'm leading a conversation of national mayors. Last Friday, I had a call with about 200 mayors uh, and the people that I asked to speak, the mayor of San Francisco is a good friend, the mayor of Miami. Um, and uh, last week for that, we had the mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, Mayor Durkin from Seattle, folks that are really on the front lines of this and that are dealing with this uh, in a major way so that we can hear, uh, you know, many of those folks are a couple weeks ahead of us. So what do we need to be prepared for? What do we need to learn? Uh, and that's why a network of mayors, for me personally, and for elected officials is critically important because there's so many aspects to this uh, challenge that we've never really comprehended. You talked about this great network you have of fellow mayors around the country. Uh, you are president of the U.S. Conference of Mayors. Could you tell us a little bit about this organization and what leading a group like that entails? Well, it, it's been the um, probably the, the highest professional honor that I uh, could ever experience. Uh, the U.S. Conference of Mayors has been around since 1932, and it's the um, it's the most robust, um, uh, most important lobbying organization, really representing mayors for you know 85 years, 87 years, something like that. And uh, in large measure, the folks that have risen to leadership have been uh, mayors of large cities: Philadelphia, New York, Los Angeles, Miami, um, uh, Dallas, Oklahoma City. To be the mayor of a somewhat smaller community like Rochester Hills and to be elected by all of my peers, that's how you achieve leadership as you get elected by the other mayors, has been a tremendous honor uh, and one that I've 
Uh, It's been a thrill. I've been all over the world, all over the country, speaking on behalf of mayors, speaking on behalf of America's cities. Um, And, uh, you know, I I mean, as it relates to what it is right now, I've been on the phone today um, with members of the White House, uh, with members of my congressional district, um, fighting hard for cities under five, at the moment, under 500,000 populations to try to get funding. Uh, from this uh, uh, stimulus package that's being talked about in the House and the Senate. So uh, really, you find yourself at the tip of the spear. I get private audience with the President of the United States several times a year. I'm in close contact with our congressional leadership. Uh, I've got an amazing network of uh, leaders, both in government, in healthcare, in education, in the business world, uh, at my disposal because of the Conference of Mayors. Uh, And I think uh, ultimately it's allowed me to be a much better mayor in Rochester Hills because of my... uh, um, my experience with the conference and really the relationships I've built because of the organization. You have a really unique perspective then uh, with, with all those relationships and those, those ongoing conversations. Um, is there anything else you can tell us about what is it like to, to be involved with um, a national response to an issue like this? Well, I'm, I'm living it. Um, you know, uh, I kind of wake up and say, you know, I'm, I'm America's mayor uh, at a time uh, that's unprecedented in the history of our country. Uh, so, um, you know, there's no playbook or guidebook or, you know, turn to page 17 uh, and here's what you do in a, in a global pandemic. Um, but you do, I think, what is sort of uh, in your gut, what's instinctual. Uh, you build a network. You rely on your colleagues who you trust for many other issues to talk about how they're dealing with it. Uh, as I said earlier, you communicate uh, clearly and you communicate frequently. We're, I'm on conference calls probably two or three times a day, sometimes six, um, and I'm almost constantly texting other mayors uh, from other parts of the country. Um, some of our mayoral colleagues uh, have been uh, tested positive for COVID-19. I'm watching how they communicate with their residents. Uh, some, some communities were a few days ahead of us in the, sh- in the uh, stay-at-home or shelter-in-place uh, declaration. So I watched how they communicated. Um, what I'm really focused on now and what I think the, the, the country is going to turn to uh, is this idea and this concept of resiliency. Um, you know, there's, you've got people that are going to be shut in homes uh, for many days, possibly weeks, uh, possibly months. And uh, the idea of family resiliency, community resiliency, uh, is going to become really, really important in terms of in terms of a topic. And I think that there are some communities that are already talking about this. You know, the, uh, that uh, uh, you know, communities that are trying to set up funds so that they can support efforts that will support uh, projects that will help people begin to come out of this challenge. Um, we, we know there's certainly a healthcare component, there's an economic component, but there's also a resiliency component that, uh, at least in terms of uh, being a mayor, I want to be tuned into uh, because that's a really important part of my community. I, I, I have to make sure that we're upbeat. A mayor is oftentimes the, the biggest cheerleader in a community. And uh, uh, this is really important for me to, uh, uh, to be uh, in that role as well. So there's a lot of aspects to this. And fortunately, I feel like I'm not the only person who's going through it, that every other mayor in this country. Uh, this morning before I got on this call, uh, I wrote uh, over the last few days about 400 uh, personal letters uh, to mayors encouraging them uh, in this time of great challenge where you know there isn't a playbook, where there's probably going to be a lot of second-guessing on any decision that a mayor makes or any uh, community leader, just encouraging them you know, to go with your gut, that we, we're, we're in this together, we'll get through this together, and there'll be brighter days on the other side. It's really interesting because we, 
often look to our leaders um, to, to give us that encouragement and, and that positive attitude or, or resilient attitude that you described. Um, but I think most of us probably never think of who's giving the leaders support, who's, who's helping them to, to be there, to, to be um, that example of, of how to kind of keep, keep moving through a situation like this. Yeah, that's, that's really true. So I said that having that network, I mean, mayors understand and elected leaders do. It's a very unique position, right? You can have a tremendous high uh, and, and feel like you've accomplished something incredible. Uh, and then, you know, the next phone call is, is, you know, is someone, you know, screaming at you about, you know, their trash being missed or, uh, you know, a, a, a much smaller issue about a water bill or something, but very important to them. But on the scope of the last call you just got off of or the last meeting you just had, you think, gosh, I wish they could have known what I just was talking about. Uh, it happened to me today. I mean, I worked really, really hard to secure N95 masks for my firefighters. This weekend, I drove around in my community to construction locations to see if I could pick some up. And we just got a, a really great hookup. We, we found a few. We worked hard to get them. Um, and so it was like a high five. We found 4,000 masks from my fire department. The next call uh, was a guy who, who didn't like how much his trash bill went up. It went up 3% from last year, and he wanted to give me an earful uh, about that particular issue. And you go, that's the life of, a, of an elected leader, right? Um, there's tremendous highs and tremendous valleys, and they're oftentimes in the same half hour. And so you have to have a network of people that you can rely on that understand sometimes the media covers you really well, sometimes you get the short end of the stick, um, but there's a, there's a support system there. And some of my closest friends are mayors because they understand what this battle is like every day. In your contacts um, with your network, um, have you have you heard anything interesting um, that that maybe folks could learn from? Uh, like like you mentioned, there are some some parts of the country that are a couple of weeks ahead of us in, in terms of dealing with this crisis. Have there have there been any takeaways um, from from what folks ha- have learned that that might be of value here? Well, there, there, there's lots. Um, I mean, certainly there's, um, I mean, I'm friends with Mayor de Blasio from New York City. Uh, they're the epicenter of this. We've been texting pretty regularly. Uh, he would share a very dire message of making sure you take every precaution you can of getting ahead of things as much as possible. Mayor Durkin of Seattle shared with me uh, the challenges involved with making sure you're taking care of your first responders, your police and fire. Uh, as we sit here today, I have about 10% of my Rochester's firefighters that are in quarantine, um, uh, and we're monitoring that situation closely. Uh, but I've learned some some things from them. The other side, outside of that, is folks like Mayor Fisher from Louisville, who's, who put together a program called Lift Up Louisville, uh, that is designed to to create a fund where private sector folks can can donate, and thereby they can put in some programs that support small businesses that encourage uh, sort of community c- connectivity. Um, and those are the things that I, I want to focus on too. Yes, it's very important for me right now to focus on the message of social distancing and making sure people know what si- services are still being performed at City Hall and which are suspended. But I'm also really tuned into the fact that, um, again, this idea of resiliency, this idea that, um, th- that you know, I'd like to be able to do, you know, I've seen some communities say at 3.30 every day, we encourage people to go outside in their front yards and wave to their neighbors or take a walk and, and, and make sure that people are kind of checked on. My city staff is going to start calling uh, tomorrow uh, because we've got some, some capacity now because we're not doing all the things we did. We've got a list of 4,500 senior citizens over the age of 70 in my community, and we're going to do weekly wellness checks and begin to make sure that we're creating a relationship and a touch point for all of them. It's it's government still providing services, just different than we were uh, last month at this time, um, but still uh, someplace that hopefully people can say, listen, this is 
you know, I, I can trust my local government. Um, uh, I, 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 they're a trusted source of information. I appreciate them checking on us. And so we start launching that program tomorrow. Um, it was an idea that was stolen from another community. Um, and that's sort of what we talked about. So, so there's so many lessons going on out there because no one really has ever gone through this. Some, some you learn, uh, uh, you know, and, and you go, boy, I don't want to do that. Some you go, man, we need to apply that as quickly as possible. So um, as, as we heard before, um, you've had years of experience um, leading the city of Rochester Hills. Um, there are some, some mayors or, or other um, leaders who, who may have only um, held their current position for a few months. Are, are there any words of wisdom on top of those you've already shared um, for, for folks who are finding themselves thrust into some serious on-the-job training when it comes to leading through a crisis? Yeah, you know, you, you don't have to know every answer. Um, and I think what people want most uh, at a time like this is empathy. They want to understand um, that you're listening. And so I've taken some calls from some really scared business owners who don't know how long their doors are going to be shut and uh, if they'll be able to open them uh, even when they're given the green light. And you know they don't want a mayor to talk to them about you, you know a, a, a thousand different scenarios. They sometimes they just want someone to listen uh, and help them think about how they can support support them. You know, uh, today's the national takeout day or carryout day. So we posted that. Um, we went out as an office, posted that, um, and encouraged others to do it as well. So, so to mayors that are going for this for the first time or local leaders, let me tell you one thing: you're operating from a, a position of strength. Number one, because. People naturally trust uh, local levels of government more so than what they see happening in Washington and in Lansing. That's not to say anything negative about our colleagues, but the idea that something positive is going to happen from the federal or state level um, isn't rated very high by our residents. But when you ask them about their local government, uh, same thing if you ask people about their local school at the end of their street, they love it. Even if the test scores aren't super high, even if it's not the highest performing, there's an affinity for what's known. There's an affinity for what's close. People are proud of their hometown. And so as a local leader, I would encourage you to leverage that strength and that trust that people have, uh, be empathetic and and be lead boldly, um, you know, listen and then lead. Uh, and uh, uh, in a time like this, you know, again, the, the, under, the, the importance of being collaborative and building a network of folks that you can call uh, is really important. I speak weekly. Um, of course, I speak daily probably with my brother uh, who, who's in Orient Township, but uh, uh, the, the mayor of Westland, Bill Wilde's a close colleague and friend. We're running ideas past each other all the time. The mayor of Sterling Heights, Mike Taylor, is a good friend. We run ideas past each other all the time. What, how are you doing with this? The, the mayor of Rochester, the, the city manager of Rochester, close friend. How are you handling your employees? What are you telling them? I mean, you know, it's okay because no one has ever done this before. Um, it's okay to seek counsel from, from your colleagues, and I would encourage folks to do that. Okay, uh, I know we're we're running low on time here. Just a, a couple more questions for you, um, a little bit lighter maybe. Uh, so when I conjure a mental image of a mayor, the first things I see are a person who stands in a room full of people speaking, or someone who's shaking hand after hand. Those are obviously just a part of your job, but an important part. How are you overcoming the obstacles presented by social distancing right now? Well, you find other ways. Uh, the same way we're communicating now. Um, you know, this interview may have done may have been done face to face as I walked you around City Hall uh, six months ago. But today, you know, we've got earbuds in and we're talking uh, across the uh, across the uh, the waves here. Um, 
I'm doing, you know, in the age of social media, it's how you communicate. I mean, I'm putting out Facebook posts and tweets probably four times more than I did, uh, you know, before this crisis. Um, I'm dealing with a tremendous amount of uh, email communications. Um, after the governor's order went into effect, I had, you know, businesses from a thousand employees in my city to businesses with 15 saying, am I essential? Am I not? What's the, who, who makes the decision on that? Is someone going to come knock on my door and arrest me? What's the story? Um, and so, you know, mayors are great connectors. Uh, they are the great connectors in their community. And you just have to find a different way to connect. For me, it's been social media uh, and and connecting via Facebook, Twitter, and my, my mayor's vlog uh, have been the ways that I've tried to continue to get a message out to the community. And based on the number of views I get per day and the number of correspondence I get per day, I still think uh, people are people feel that they can get a hold of me, share their ideas and suggestions. We've had some wonderfully generous people in Rochester Hills say, we want to help. We think we can help make masks. We think we can help distribute food to our elderly. Um, that's been the, the so lining in this uh, terrible crisis has been the fact that um, so many people, you're reminded uh, about the goodness of people when they say, listen, we've got some time. Our family's decided that we're going to live open-handedly and outwardly, and we want to help. What do we do? Where do we go? And so I've got a whole list of people um, and, and resources uh, uh, on my desk at the office that uh, I try to plug in then with the, with the need that's in the community. And uh, I'm reminded and encouraged and confident that we will get through this and that better days are ahead and we'll be stronger because of this crisis. Absolutely. It's um, in, a, in a situation that where the circumstances are, are really driving people apart, it has been inspiring to see how kind of the type of resilience that you talked about um, and the, just the human will to, to come together despite the obstacles and using tools like social media. I know you were no slouch on social media before. To, so to hear that you've, <laughs> you've increased by four times the amount of activity on there, I think um, is emblematic of, of the type of response that's required in this situation. And I think the level of connectivity on those platforms, as I've observed it, has been much higher you know, over the past week or so. So I think the, the desire is there. Um, so it, it's good to hear that, that you're doing that as well. So the last question I have for you is um, a, a personal question. Uh, one of the, the bits of guidance that's been coming through to me um, is, is to make sure that, that we're taking care of ourselves. Uh, and, and part of that is, is figuring out some, some type of normalcy or routine or, or what kind of helps you get through a weird situation like this. So is there anything that you're doing uh, on a personal level to, to kind of keep, keep some normal in your day to day? Well, my, my life is not generally that normal uh, <laughs> outside of the, the COVID crisis. I lead a very busy schedule and, and, and try to pack in uh, time with my boys when I get a chance. Um, my happy place, uh, now that I'm sort of uh, not able to go to my, my normal happy places, which tend to be places like the movie theater and, and, and things like that, uh, I have a dog named Bendel and I run with my dog. Uh, so, uh, as, so long as the weather's appropriate, we've got a lot of, of great trails where we can uh, maintain appropriate social distancing in Rochester Hills. Uh, I enjoy, I enjoy running with my dog. I put uh, music on, uh, generally country music, um, but occasionally it slips into, you know, some other, <laughs> some other genres as well, but uh, generally country music and I, uh, I'll run around town with my dog. It's a, a great tip for everyone. I, I think in, in Rochester Hills, you have easy access to both the, the Clinton River Trail and the, the Paint Creek Trail. So I just want to take this opportunity to slip in a quick plug for the Southeast Michigan Park Finder app. Uh, a great free tool from SEMCOG that allows anyone with it to find parks and trails throughout our region. 
Trevor, full circle back to that green infrastructure, right? Uh, <laughs> we've got lots of trails and, uh, and, and great places to recreate. And uh, uh, obviously we worked well with SEMCOG in, in understanding the value of those in each community. And, and now at a time like this, boy, um, those are some of the most valuable pieces of property in our city where people can get out, walk for miles and experience nature and just a little bit of, of respite from from the grind of, of you know watching the, the news reports and, and the challenge of the times that we're living in. But um, yeah, that, that can't be understated how important green infrastructure is in the community and never more than now. Absolutely. Is there is there anything else um, that that you'd like to to leave us with um, before we wrap up? Well, I would just say to to, to your audience, um, you know, th- this is this is a challenge. I've been reminded uh, about how strong we are as Americans and the things we've done in the past, whether it be you know the way we we saved Europe or the way we um, you know we landed on the moon or even you know conquering the West and the way we've we've harnessed innovation to make life. Uh, so great for people around the globe. There are so many people focused on getting us through this, whether it be our medical professionals, our first responders, uh, government leaders. Uh, we will uh, absolutely not just survive this crisis, but we will thrive in this crisis and we'll get through the other side. We'll learn a lot of lessons. We'll be ready for what happens in the future. But you know, just to, just to make sure you're, you're checking on your neighbor, you're, you're, you're listening to uh, the important recommendations from the CDC, from the Michigan Health Department, from the city of Rochester and other places. But this is also about your heart too, not just your head. And, and uh, you know, it doesn't mean we still should be checking on uh, elderly folks near us, those that we love and care about. Um, it's time for us to step up. Uh, and I know in Southeast Michigan and certainly in Rochester Hills, I've been proud to see that so many times during this crisis. Okay. Thank you, Mayor, so much for joining us today. Really appreciate the time. No problem. Thanks for having me. This has been SEMCOG's Region Ahead. Thank you for joining us as we consider the important issues that affect Southeast Michigan. You can learn more about SEMCOG's regional planning work, as well as what we are doing to support local governments during the COVID-19 pandemic at SEMCOG.org. You can also find Southeast Michigan Park Finder on our website, in the Apple App Store, or in the Google Play Store. Park Finder also features Trail Explorer, which offers a Google Street View style interface to virtually tour the trails before you head out the door. Thanks again to Brian Barnett for joining us. And all of us at SEMCOG want to wish you good health and comfort during this time of social distancing and uncertainty.